Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. Welcome back to Two Adoptive Mamas. We're so excited that you're joining us today. Um, Sarah and I are here with Greer Cooper, a active foster parent who is going to tell us a little bit more about her story and uh, her family's journey. Um, and we'll see where the conversation takes us from there. But so welcome, Greer. Thanks. We're so excited to have you. Um, we just want to start off and, uh, you know, we know that you're a foster mama just said that. Um, and I want to hear a little bit about how you and your husband came to the decision to foster. Um, and maybe tell us a little bit about the children that you either have had or currently have in your family right now. Yeah. Um, I actually became a foster parent before I met my husband. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. um, I always knew that I loved children and wanted to work with them. And then as I got a little bit older, I realized it was more of like the vulnerable children that I felt called to work with. Um, And so in college, I did some inner city work and I loved that. I tried social work out. It wasn't my thing. I was just trying to figure out where I could work with these kids. So I got an internship in college with a nonprofit that worked for orphans and, um, Loved it. Knew I wanted to work in orphan care. Got a foster care internship at um, the church that's now my church home after that in Asheville. And I fell in love with that. Um, And through that, I got to know more about like what was going on in the foster care world and adoption world. And um, then I took a foster care licensing class just to be able to teach it later on. And during that class, I learned what resources were available and kind of like the standards you needed to meet to be a foster parent. And I was think 22 at the time and single. And I was living in a host family's home because I was an intern, like I had nothing. And I realized that I could do it. So I um, moved out of my host family's home. I got an apartment and started getting licensed. Um, I kind of was pretty slow on it because I kind of liked my freedom and doing what I want. Um, And then a coworker came to work with me and became a good friend. She got licensed. And one day at work, she got a call for um, one of the kids in a sibling set of seven. And they were just scrambling to find homes for them. And that's when the Lord told me that I was being disobedient by like delaying my obedience. And so from there, I finished up quickly. I got licensed and then it was so confusing because I was like, God, you told me to like do this now. And I haven't gotten a call. Like, why was, what's the rush? Um, And then I got a call from a family friend, actually, someone I knew from my previous internship. And she was like, Hey, this grandmother just called me and her two granddaughters are in foster care and they're are about to split them up because I can't find a home for them. Um, would you take them? And so I called my worker and she set everything up and um, they moved in like a week later. They were eight and nine. Uh, they were my first kids. Um, it was crazy and super fun. And then in August of that year, that was in June of 2021, August of that year, I met my husband's family, but not my husband. Um, and his mom introduced us and because she, she was also a foster parent. Um, and then in September, we went on our first date. We were engaged in December and married in February. In March, we got a um, one and a half month old baby who left in June. And then that same day, we also got a call that um, our we got a call that those girls that we were with then um, would be leaving after a year and a half. So it was like 
whirlwind all at once. Um, then um, in July, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, then this July, we got a call for two brothers that are two and four, and they're with us now. And then their baby sister will be moving in with us on Thursday. Um, and last week, we got a call for an eight-year-old, and she's with us until Thursday. So those are all the kids we've had. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I mean, God is definitely doing the math there, right? Because yeah. I can't keep up quite with your story. Um, but that's really amazing how you've allowed him to use you in that way. And I love that you started doing this before you met your husband. I just, I mean, I just think that's so cool that you stepped out in faith like that. And that, you know, then he was ready and willing to partner with you kind of, obviously he had a passion for that because his, it was not unfamiliar to his family. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's really awesome. Okay. Greer. So share with us more about welcoming children into your home. Obviously they're coming to you from all different types of traumas, ages, stages, all the things. So kind of what do you focus on first and what are some of the challenges that you often experience in the early stages of a placement? Mm -hmm. Um, first, I think I focus most on getting to know the kids, um, and just making them feel comfortable. The first couple of days are really lax and just trying to like, um, just make them feel safe. Um, a lot of the first, um, challenges are like the kids being super confused, not understanding what's going on. They're usually not really used to routine. So that's really something that they um, buck up against a lot or boundaries or being told no a lot of the times. Um, And at the beginning, it's hard because we usually don't have a caseworker yet and we don't have any services. And um, so that's hard. We don't have therapy or anything like that. Um, Tell us a little bit more. So maybe like, let's reflect on your current season. Um, what has something that has been hard in your current season of parenting and kind of how you're navigating that now that, um, you've had the boys, um, for a little bit, and obviously you're preparing for their sisters. So what has been hard and how are you navigating that? Yeah. So I have a couple of things actually. Um, we just said goodbye to the girls last week, which has been hard, but we're also babysitting them still because school hasn't started yet. And, um, their parent, her parent, their parents don't have childcare. Sorry. And, um, so that's been hard because the dynamics change and they don't fully understand and we don't like fully know what to do. Like I'm just your babysitter now. I'm not your mom. Um, so that's a really hard boundary to like set up like school supply shopping, little things like that that we want to allow their mom to have the freedom to do. Cause she hasn't gotten to do that for a while. Um, and then the boys have just recently had a lot of um, behaviors that have come up that have been hard to tra- navigate. So we've been doing a lot of advocating to get them therapy and services and there's just wait lists after wait lists. So getting that has been really hard. Um, and the way we've really dealt with that has just been, um, just knowing that it's not for everyone. Like this is just a season and, you know, it gets better. Um, trusting that the Lord is in control and, you know, when these things don't make any sense, like when you're just advocating for a kid and the workers are great, but you know, there's policies and things that they can't always, um, change. And it's like, God, why would you allow these kids to keep going through this every visitor, you know, doing these things that his plan is way bigger. So just reminding myself of those things has kind of been how we've been getting through these seasons. Greer, as you were talking, I kind of, I have a follow-up question because I'm sitting here thinking about how 
like when you're a newlywed and you're kind of like navigating just being married and you usually don't have children yet. (laughs) So can you, uh, I'm my own curiosity. And then also for our listeners, um, how did you navigate adjusting to marriage and parenting? Because you were parenting like as you were getting married, is that right? Did you have yes. a placement? Okay. Yeah. We were- what did that look like? And how did you quite honestly survive that? How, <laughs> how did that work? The Lord did, um, Dr. Pepper, you know? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we have had the same placement since we met until a week ago. So that's been one thing that we didn't realize would be so hard. Like we don't know ourselves without these particular kids. So like, Sus, my husband was like, I don't like we were talking to the girls explaining how to be hard. And he was like, I don't know Greer without you guys. And um, and I didn't even realize that. And so that has been tricky. And I think the way we navigate is just like we both understand that um we have I think we both just came into it with understanding that um the kids were already here and that was a priority of ours. So it honestly isn't as hard as it sounds because we've never known any different. That's really the only answer I have. Like we've only known each other with the kids. So just uh, make sure to prioritize like date nights and spending time together. And he's a firefighter. So sometimes that makes the schedule really hard, but it also makes it nice because sometimes we have those day times to ourselves that normally couples wouldn't have without the kids. So that's one way we get alone time and stuff. Hmm. I love your, um, extremely practical, uh, taking date nights when you can and Dr. Pepper answers all rolled into one, (laughs) Um, but that is reality, right? That's the way it is. So, so we have mentioned it before on our show. Um, but I know it's something you're really passionate about with talking specifically about blocked care. Um, so if you can just give our listeners, maybe they're joining us for the first time, um, or just to give a little refresher, uh, what is blocked care? Like when you think of blocked care, how would you define it as an active resource parent? Um, I think of blocked care as like when a kid, um, because for no fault of their own, you know, has just pushed against and against and you keep trying to connect with them and trying and they just keep rejecting you or like just, um, being unkind and like just telling you the worst parent ever, maybe with their actions or their words. And eventually you just to protect yourself, you stop caring, not, you don't stop caring, but you stop pursuing that connection, even if you don't realize it. So you, um, to protect yourself, you just kind of like, you focus more on their behaviors than like your connection with them. You start seeing that kid as bad. And as you're with, and your relationship with that kid is hopeless and um, just start focusing more on like, the things are doing wrong. I know for myself, I would wake up in the morning already expecting the day not to go well. Um, and just kind of, especially for that one child. Um, and I think the thing that just that helped me the most was just knowing about blocked care. Um, because I felt like a terrible person when I sometimes felt like I didn't like my child. Um, and like, this kid's been through so much. I know that it's not their fault. Why can't I connect with them? Or why am I so angry at them for these behaviors that make sense. Um, and when I realized that it was like brain-based and it was something that like, isn't just a personality flaw, um, that let me give myself a lot of grace and just realizing that, um, it's not personal and I was able to not take it personally anymore and just treat it as what it was, which is like a symptom of what's going on. 
Yeah, you kind of answered my next question um, in that answer, but thank you for the that overview and a little insight into kind of the things that you daily remind yourself about. That was bad grammar, but the things that you remind yourself of daily, that was better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm just, you know, I'm wondering when you are really um like in the moment. So you gave a lot of good examples of trying to remind yourself or maybe thinking about it in the morning. Um, but when your child is showing those behaviors, how is it that you can kind of preserve, um, that sense of self so that you are able to care for them because they do need extra love and care and attention in those moments. And, blocked care is a very visual description of that. Like it feels like you're running into a wall and, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're, you're trying, they're trying, and there just seems to be some bricks in between. So yeah. how do you, how do you navigate that when it's happening in real time? Um, that's hard. Sometimes it was, um, for me, at least allowing the space before I tried to like fix the problem. So sometimes I, I'm kind of person who wants to fix a problem as soon as it arises and get over with it and like it be done with. But I realized that um, usually the child and I were both super escalated at that point or upset and our emotions were heightened. So just like giving space and waiting until, even if they weren't regulated, wait until I was regulated before I dealt with the issue. Otherwise I would just make it worse. Um, and yeah, that's the main thing I would do. I'd say. Yeah, I think that's a, a worthy reminder for our listeners, Greer, because I think sometimes we we might feel like we have to respond right away or right in that moment. So mm-hmm. good reminder to give yourself the space and and the child the space, but then to kind of circle back um, and regroup in that way. So um, no, I, I appreciate your words on that. So tell us, Greer, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. So based on your experience, what is one thing that you would want a prospective foster family or foster parent to know? Um, I would say that the kids are worth it. Um, and even foster parents that are already parenting now and myself some days, like there's so many things that seem like everything's against you. Um, I personally had one of those days today when I was talking about going on the podcast, talking to my husband about, I was like, I could literally just talk about today and it would be like two podcasts worth of stuff. (laughs) Um, and it was just one of those days where it's like roadblock after roadblock. Um, and, but at the end of the day, or even at the end of that moment or the phone call that didn't go the way when you tried advocating for a kid, like the kid's worth it. Kids worth for you to, keep fighting for the kids worth putting yourself on the line or risk, you know, not being unkind, but risk being unliked by workers or whoever, when you say no, like my kid needs these services. Um, they're worth the heartbreak when they leave. They're worth the fear when they leave, like, Hey, are they going to be okay? Like it's not in our hands. It's in the Lord's hands. Um, they're worth all of it and it's not easy. Um, but it doesn't make it not worth it. I love that. And I think just, again, a beautiful reminder um, for our listeners. And like you said, for us, <laughs> for ourselves some days that we need to think about that. Um, so not only is it worth it, like you said, it might not be easy, but it is worth it. Um, it also can't be done alone. Right. And we talk a lot about community um, here at Two Adoptive Mamas. So we would just love to get a little window into what it, um, your support network is like, and, you know, what do you seek out on a weekly basis and, um, how has God really kind of shown himself to you through your community? Yeah. Um, my community pretty much, especially when it comes to supporting, um, my journey in foster care, 
is my family, my in-laws and my church. Um, that's where I've really seen the Lord provide for me. Um, my family lives eight hours away, but they've still found so many ways to be supportive and like present. They visit all the time, lots of phone calls. They send things. They just treat each kid that comes into our care. Like, um, they're their own, which is really cool. Um, my in-laws are super, um, they've been doing foster care for a lot longer than me. They love the kids like their own. They understand where the kids are coming from and like how their backgrounds may affect them. So that's been a huge blessing to be able to go to like family events and not worry, do you worry, you know, like if this kid acts up, like, what are they going to think of me? Like my in-laws, as soon as I met them already knew trauma and they understood that. Um, and then my church, um, my church has an awesome foster care ministry and just supports foster families and foster children and um, really awesome ways. A lot of my friends at my church just um, do whatever they can when I get a new placement. They make meals, they buy whatever, like if they have had kids at the age I have, they give me clothes or um, potty training toilets, all kinds of things. They just help out. Um, and I'd, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. What are some of the things specifically when you mentioned your church has a, an amazing foster uh, care ministry? Are there certain mm -hmm. things that you have seen that they've done really well that um, would, could be a good resource or a good asset for other churches to emulate? Yeah. Um, they, um, so it's kind of complicated because the foster care ministry is changing all the time. And I, I'd actually used to be my job foster care ministry coordinator before I quit to stay at home with the kids. Um, so they're in a transition season. I just left like two months ago. So they're um, rebuilding kind of, and I was rebuilding. I was the first one to have that job. So it's a new ministry, um, but they are creating support care groups for each foster family in the church to um, do basically whatever that specific family needs, whether it's help with meals, help with laundry, transportation, babysitting. It's just very tailored to that family. Um, they have a foster care closet that is free to any foster parents that can go in and get whatever they need. Um, they have a prayer ministry, they do dinners, they had a um, back to school shopping event at one of our campuses two weeks ago, and they had free haircuts, and it was like you could go shopping for clothes. Um, the foster care coordinator is just super involved with all the foster families and um, prays for them, she reaches out, sees how she can help, and just um, someone to vent to, talk with. And there's also a support group, um, which happens once a month and is a great time just to get to talk to people. It's for foster and adoptive families, um, just to talk about day-to-day -day life, what you're struggling with, prayer requests, things like that. I think that's great. And I think, you know, as we've been able to get to know different people um, through the podcast, but also in our community, um, just having that uh, kind of circle of support around a mm -hmm. family is so impactful and um, I would argue biblical of just how it is that we need to kind of come around those, um, who are in a season of need and recognizing that seasons do change and that might be the case. Um, but there are some situations where it's not the case. And so just being able to show Christ's love through the church community and through that support is so important. So thank you for those details. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that that's a good foster care resource. Um, but do oh, yeah. you have something in mind or maybe a favorite book or something that was really impactful? for you as you began your foster journey, um, or kind of continue your foster journey? Yeah. Um, I love the connected parent and anything by Karen Purvis. I love, um, empowered to connect podcasts. Um, yeah, those are probably my favorite. 
Well, you're in good company because those are some of our favorites too. So that's awesome. Um, Greer, we just really appreciate you coming on the show and just sharing your heart and your story. And I'm looking through your Instagram here as we were talking um, and just so encouraged by, um, you know, just your heart and your love for these children and how um, you've kind of made this your life's passion and mission. And um, and it's just exciting to see how God will continue to use this in this way and your husband Silas as well. So, um, anyways, just thank you so much for your time. I know that you are going to be a great encouragement to our listeners who also find themselves in the trenches. Um, and please know that we'll be praying for your family, um, as you anticipate an arrival and a departure and everything in between. So thank you so much Greer. And for all of our listeners, remember you've got this mama. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or know someone who could benefit from our show, the best thing you can do is leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're grateful to be hosting the Two Adoptive Mamas podcast for a third season. Learn more about how you can support our ongoing work through our Patreon at twoadoptivemamas.com. As always, it's been fun. Until we meet again, remember, you've got this, mama. Mama.